Coming up on today's show, we're talking the NFL draft in Vegas. It's a pretty solid receiver class. It's a great edge class as well, but receivers, is, there's a lot of variety there depending on what you like. Baker Mayfield and possible moves. If you bring in a guy like Baker, who's had more success in the NFL than Drew Locke, you wonder if you're going to be able to get the best out of Drew Locke in that situation. And the Tom and Hawk football mock mock draft. That is stupid. I don't even think Debo really wants to leave the 49ers. I think he just wants to be paid. And all of that and much, much more coming up on another first round pick edition of the Tom and Hawk football show. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the world-famous Tom and Hawk football show presented by the good folks over at Amazon Music. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Hawkins, joined by a draft legend, former NFL offensive tackle, 11-time Pro Bowler, uh, zero-time playoff appearance, but he's a hell of a guy. And I couldn't be prouder to have him as my partner here. Joe, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, and I'm glad you mentioned the fact that I had never reached the NFL playoffs, although behind me, over my right shoulder, you see the empty NFL playoff participation trophy, which (laughs) on my trophy case behind me is my most valuable and prized possession. Honestly, and this is not just because you're my friend, you're the best left tackle in NFL history for my money, in my book. Good. That's all we need to know. But you've, never, right, reached, I, but you've never reached a playoff. That's the end of the show this week, everybody. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just curious, probably the best draft pick the Browns have ever had, at least in the last 40, 50 years, since at least the color barrier was broken in America. <laughs> Thanks to Paul Brown, by the way. Brown's head coach. Thanks to Paul Brown. There you go. But we never went to the playoffs. So I just mm-hmm. it's a weird thing. Like, yeah. you know? It's easy for me. And what you're trying to say is that your take from the other day that you would draft an offensive lineman in the first round, I don't care who it is, is wrong because offensive linemen are irrelevant. We are merely X's and O's on the call sheet. And it's guys like you that determine the wins and losses. So when we lose, I'm pointing the finger squarely back at my 5'7 slot receiver. It was your (laughs) fault. You did this to me. I did everything we possibly could. And unfortunately, my role is insignificant in the game of life. Just like Mongo. (laughs) Just merely a pawn in the game of life. It's crazy. If you've been living under a rock, this is one of the big weeks uh, of the NFL offseason. We got all new guys coming into the league. I hope people realize that current players don't give a about the NFL draft. People think that everyone's excited. Oh, it's an NFL event. Players, you're getting new guys coming in. I can't stress to you enough how much current players on a roster don't give a damn about who's coming to the draft. It's a cool moment for people to get to the league, but you're not like, oh man, you have another receiver coming to your team. An O like you could care less. These are guys that are just coming to either take your job or your friend's job. And it's a cycle of life. It's just another year closer to you being out the league. That's what the NFL draft signifies, Joe. What are your thoughts on that? It's uh, it's great. We're jumping off topic already because I think this is an opportunity to kind of peel the curtain back a little bit um, and see what are the differences maybe between an NFL player and an average fan. Yeah. Other than our incredible good looks, we look at the draft as 
when our team is trying to replace us or our friends, like you just said, yes. uh, I'll give you a quick story. 2009, I think, is when Alex Mack was drafted in the first round by the Cleveland Browns. Went on to become what I think is going to be a Hall of Fame career yep. as a center. He's still playing for the San Francisco 49ers. But our starting center at the time was Hank Fraley, who was a very good center, had played a long time in the NFL. He's currently the Detroit Lions offensive line coach and a great friend of mine, right? And we were all at Eric Steinbach's wedding in Chicago, and he was our left guard. And I wasn't really paying attention, but it was draft weekend. And like you mentioned, NFL players, if you're a guy that's really secure in your job, you don't really pay attention, right? Yep. You may know a few of the guys that are being drafted because you, if you're young, you may have played against them in college or you knew them from being recruited or, you know, there was a lot of carryover. But as you get older in the NFL, you watch your favorite team that maybe you played for in college. But other than that, you don't really get too bogged down with college football because you're pretty busy during the week during the NFL season. <laughs> so you don't really know a lot of these guys. First of all, you don't study them. No. Because you're not having a say in who gets drafted. Sure, would you like to add some talent? Yeah, of course, when it's all said and done and those guys show up to OTAs and minicamp and you see what they really look like against NFL players, like you get excited if, hey, this guy's going to make us better, this guy's going to make us worse. Mm -hmm. But Absolutely. Um, for the most part, if you're a bubble player, which I never was. I know you were a few times throughout your career. Thank you for you that. I hate the draft because that's the time when those guys are finding your replacement. They are trying to kick you to the curb and find somebody younger, somebody better, who can have better hands, who has more speed, who has less injuries, and overall is just better looking and better for the franchise to be able to sell to the fans. So it's a tough time. So 2009, we're in Chicago at Eric Steinbach's wedding. The draft is going on the first round, and the Browns draft Alex Mack. Hank Fraley's there. He's sitting at the table with us. We had just kind of started the dance portion of the show, and all of a sudden I look over and I see Hank Fraley at the bar, and he is ripping tequila shots. <laughs> and, you know, as big offensive linemen, we've been you know known to have a few drinks from time to time, maybe more than we should, <laughs> but this was like another level. I mean, he was ripping them back, and I looked over to Annie, my wife, and I'm like, what is going on with Hank? Like he just <laughs> dialed this up like seven notches. I know it's a wedding, bunch of offensive linemen there. We're in Chicago. Uh, we're having a good time, but I'm like, that's uncalled for. And she goes, the Browns just drafted a center in the first round. <laughs> and it's, Oof. you know, for the common fan, you might think of that as like, oh, you know, competition. The players probably like that. Like no. he's thinking, you know, maybe they'll move him to guard or like he'll have an opportunity. No, 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 no. As players, we've seen this story before. We know exactly what's going to happen. You have a guy that's drafted at your position in the first round. That's it. You better put your house up for sale that night because you're going to be out of town either before training camp starts, at the end of training camp, or if you're lucky, they'll find a place for you that season if your salary's cheap, and then they're going to get rid of you. So Hank knew the writing was on the wall at that point. He ended up playing another season as a guard and kind of helped Alex transition to the starting center. But from the moment a first round pick is drafted, they're putting you in that starting position unless there's some crazy unforeseen circumstances. So day one, Alex Mack was the starting center and Hank Fraley was fighting for one of those guard jobs. And the night ended up not so great because we ended up seeing Hank in the bathroom a little bit later and he was singing to the porcelain gods because he had gone <laughs> a little too aggressive drowning his sorrows in those tequila shots. So for most NFL players, we don't follow the draft. Now, no. you and I in the media, we do. Obviously, that's our job. That has become our passion. But yep. if you walked up to the common NFL player, I know, Hawk, you were such a jerk. You would never talk to a common fan. But I, no. being the humble man of the people that I was, 
<laughs> if I was talking with the regular fan when I was playing and he started spouting off who the top offensive linemen were or who the top players in this draft were, I would have had no freaking clue. You would have had no idea. There is top rookies that when they get to the NFL, we still don't know who they are. Yeah. There's just so much. There's not enough time to do it, right. to be honest. So, yeah, your, your point is right. Bubble players don't give a damn about the draft. Most guys and all guys in the league really don't give a damn about the draft. Bubble players hate the draft or people that aren't. If you're not making a certain amount of money, yeah, you hate the draft. My first year in the league, you know, I came on late. I was off the practice squad, played decent for a rookie that they got out of the Canadian Football League. And the next year, Tavon Austin. I don't know if you remember Tavon Austin. He played at West Virginia. Yeah, drafted what, St. Louis? Yeah, he was about 5'8", about 174 pounds, Ooh, wide uh -oh. receiver. And uh -oh. I know somebody else that looks like that. And our receiver coach was obsessed with this dude. Right, it's oh, the worst. So going through the whole draft process, oh, he's talking about Tavon, and I was a Tavon Austin fan too because he was like, you know, he's a shorter receiver. Mm -hmm. His highlight tape, his college highlight tape, quite possibly one of the best top three highlight tapes ever. I can think of like Reggie Bush, but you could probably argue between him and Reggie Bush whose highlight tape was better. And so I'm like, yeah, they're gonna take this dude in the first round, and my I'm gonna have a one year NFL career because they're gonna be like, well, thanks Hawk, we don't need you. Well. <laughs> They didn't end up taking him. Thank God. Thank God. But they did draft Muhammad Sanu, Marvin Jones. <laughs> yeah. Who was it was also yeah. a whole thing. Um, but those are like my best friends. And it was it was awesome once they got there. But that's how that's how players feel about the draft. You know what that reminds me of is uh, like the hall pass game, you know, like the celebrity hall pass game you ever played with like your spouse or your girlfriend. Like, uh -huh. if there's one celebrity out there that you could have a hall pass <laughs> for, like who would it be, right? If she names somebody that looks exactly like you, like there, part of you is like, okay, I like that because they, they value that skill set maybe. So for you, they're like, okay, you know, they value like a short, like right. quicker possession type receiver. So you're like, okay, at least – my body type has a role in this offense. If they're like, you know what? I like the person that is completely the opposite <laughs> of who you are. You're starting to wonder, like, I don't think they want me, even if they don't get this dude. So there's a lot of things that you can take from that. If you talk Absolutely. to your position coach and uh, he's telling you about who they love in the draft. But you know what it also reminds me of is recruiting. I don't know if you guys had this um, as much at Toledo. And back when we were playing in college, there wasn't quite as much of an obsession with recruiting classes and ranking high school players. But, um, you know, the common college fan, they get really obsessed with five stars and four stars and where's the recruiting yeah. class ranked. And when we were playing in college, like I didn't pay any attention to that. And a big part of that was because I had seen so many guys come in that were highly touted recruits that stink. They never even played a second. They never played a snap and they ended up just being total busts. And I think it's the same thing in the NFL. Some of the guys that are late round picks, all of a sudden they show up to OTAs or minicamp. They look pretty good going against NFL yeah. competition right off the bat. And then sometimes you got that first round pick who he's out there and you're just like, dude, I can tell right away. As soon as NFL talent is going against NFL talent, you can tell right away. And so yeah. all of that pre-draft work that everybody's been doing, the scouts have been drilling down on film. They're talking about college players going against college players and trying to evaluate if those guys have what it takes to make the jump. But for us in the NFL, we're just going to wait and see what they look like when they show up to OTAs. And that's where we're going to evaluate if this guy has what it takes to be able to help my team get a little bit better and to help my team win a championship. No doubt. If, if every prospect could spend just a week in a minicamp, the hit rate of draft prospects would probably rise by 40%. At least. It sounds crazy, but literally it would be that easy because you really do know right away. 
coming up. There's a lot of crazy storylines. A lot of people talking about, uh, you know, are there going to be trades? There's not a lot of quarterbacks in this draft that people are super excited about. But is there any day one storyline for you, Joe, that you are looking forward to in this as a media analyst and not as the former player, Joseph Thomas? I'm really interested to see where the receivers go because there's four, in my opinion, really good receivers. And there's more teams than four, obviously, that want those receivers. And so depending on how the chips fall in the top five to 10 and where some of those top receivers go, like the Jamison Williams and, and stuff like that, um, mm -hmm. is going to determine what happens in those middle rounds. Because there's a lot of teams, specifically like the New Orleans Saints, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, teams that are in the middle of the first round, towards the bottom of the first round, that covet one of those top four guys. And I always think about the draft and, uh, as cliffs, right? Like there's tiers of players. And if you're in the market for a receiver and you've evaluated, okay, there's four guys that we would definitely take in the first round that we really like. Then all of a sudden, that fifth guy, we don't really like all that much. So we need to find a way to be able to get into that top four. And if any of those four guys fall to us, we'll take them. And then when all of a sudden there's only one of those guys left that they really mm -hmm. like, that's when teams start to make those moves and start to try to trade up because they don't want to get stuck in a situation where we have to take a receiver in this draft, but all of a sudden the four guys we like got taken in the first 19 picks. We're sitting at 20 and we're one spot out of being able to take our guy. And so that's when you start seeing those teams leapfrog. So I think the big story on draft night outside of where the quarterbacks go is going to be where those receivers go and what are the teams that move up in the middle rounds to be able to find that receiver that they feel can be their number one receiver for the future. It's a deep receiver class. It's a pretty solid receiver class. It's a great edge class as well, but receivers, is, there's a lot of variety there depending on what you like. I got to give a shout out to Brian Hartline, mm. one of our former teammates. Yeah. He was a technician. Everyone knows that. I mean, that's stereotypical what you're going to say about a white guy who plays receiver in the NFL. But Brian Hartline really was a technician. I mean, he drilled into, you know, knowing the little intricacies. Because after a while, I mean, he used to be a blazer. But after a while, your speed goes. After a while, your quickness goes. So you have to literally rely on your technique. Mm -hmm. And so Brian Hartline was pretty much able to sustain a certain level of play because his technique was so great. And so when you watch Ohio State receivers, and there's like two really good ones coming out this year, and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and even Jamison Wilson Williams, who came, who started off at Ohio State, which is crazy that all of those guys were there at the same time. But when you watch them technique-wise, they are way past where they should be at mm. the college level. And it's because our line is getting them right. I don't typically say that about coaches. I know coaches always get credit if a guy plays well. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, when you watch these guys play, it's funny because I can see things that they're doing in their game that I remember that Heartline used to do it. I could tell he's implementing that with them. Really? And it's making them like, it's taking them to a different level, like on their releases, how they use their head mm. in, in and out of fakes. Like mm -hmm. Heartline was, he used to drill down in that. So I got to give him some props there. But the receiver class is the yeah. Garrett Wilson, the one we just talked about, my favorite receiver going into this draft. Okay. Do you think there's a team, if you had to pick one team, that you're like, you better come out of this first round with a wide receiver, yeah. who would it be, Joe? 
That's an easy one for me. That's the Green Bay Packers, right? They lost Devontae Adams this offseason. He was their stud. Everyone assumed that once Aaron Rodgers was locked up for a few years, that Devontae Adams, because of their relationship and because they've relied so much on each other for career and team success, mm-hmm. that he was going to just come back, right? Like, there was no doubt in our minds, but things did not work out in Green Bay. Devontae Adams is now with his college teammate, Derek Carr, with mm. the Las Vegas Raiders. And Green Bay is left in the void. And I think that's why you've heard a lot of chatter around the Green Bay Packers this offseason about what are they going to do to bolster their receiving core? Because they don't really have that number one guy right now. They've got a few players that can be sort of role players that can help, but they need a guy who can get open in one-on-one coverage when the game is on the line. And I think that's a guy that they're going to really covet in this draft. And that's why I mentioned... To me, the the cliff is like in that 20s, like early 20s. I think Chris Olave is probably the fourth best receiver in this draft. But I think after him, there's a big cliff. So for me, the Green Bay Packers need to find a way to get one of those top four guys. And so as those receivers start coming off the board, watch the Green Bay Packers. Watch how they're going to try to jump up and move ahead of maybe like the New Orleans Saints, the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are two other teams that they actually both have two draft picks in the first round. But those are teams that are definitely going to be looking for a receiver in this draft and look for the Green Bay Packers to potentially try to jump one of those guys Mm -hmm. to be able to land one of these top four receivers in this draft. I feel like the Packers have gotten away with a lot, man, over the last six months. Well, that's what a great quarterback play allows you, right? That's why everybody's covering the top-tier quarterback play because it's – allows you a huge margin for error. It's the whiteout that every team wants to be able to white out the mistakes that the coaches and the GMs and the other players make. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know how you let Devontae Adams leave, and it doesn't feel like the previous offseason it was, oh, Devontae and Aaron are package deals wherever they go. So I don't know what happened in the year, whether between them, the organization, Aaron and the organization, that that switched and flipped. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's weird to be going into a draft. Now you haven't drafted a receiver for the last 20 years in the first round. So now you now it's <laughs> like Javon Walker, I think. Now you have to do it. And you already you just let wide receiver one in the National Football League walk out of the door. You're not going to upgrade crazy. from there. Like it's not like, oh, this is more cost efficient. We'll get talent. Yeah, you might build talent. You'll find more talent than maybe you uh mm-hmm. maybe you're getting at that value pick, but you're not getting Devontae Adams. So for me, if I'm the Packers, I would actually just go either more O-linemen or just defense. Build up the defense because last year, the offense didn't get it done. And it's not because they don't have talent. I don't know what is being said or people believe, you know, whether Aaron says he needs more weapons. Like, Devontae Adams, you can't get more weapons than that. Next storyline. This is what I think is going to happen. Prediction for the draft, Joe. Mm. I think it was a crazy free agency. It was the wildest free agency we've ever had in the NFL by far. I think the draft is going to be a continuation of that. I think we're going to see people traded that we never imagined would be traded. I think there's going to be at least five NFL stars traded during the draft. Oh my God, that's an outrageous amount. The NFL co-signs on that take. They, if they could take that clip and play it in their commercials leading up to the draft, they would be the happiest people. They would pay you millions of dollars to say that because that's exactly what they want. They want the drama. And usually the drama surrounds quarterbacks, right? Last year we saw three great quarterbacks go right at the top of the draft. And there was so much drama surrounding who's going to go where and what teams are going to trade. We saw the 49ers 
draft Trey Lance, which was a little bit unexpected. But Mm -hmm. the biggest bombshell that was interesting on draft night, I remember sitting there in Cleveland, and I forget who the insider that dropped this report was, but they said that the 49ers were going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. So I think Roger Goodell might have been the one that reported that one because (laughs) he wanted to spice up the first round a little bit. But anytime you're starting to throw out really recognizable players that have been in the league a long time, that are stars, that are household names within their organization, and you start talking about these guys becoming trade bait, it's really interesting, especially for the draft heads. Like, you were in the scouting department in Detroit, mm-hmm. and so you kind of understand the points process that, um, for those that aren't real fam- familiar, if you look at uh, the draft, every draft pick is slotted a certain number of points so that when teams are looking to trade draft picks, they add up those points, and if the points are relatively equal, they feel like it's a fair trade of draft picks, right? When you start throwing in players, now that's a little bit more difficult because how do you say, like, number 14 overall and let's say like a Debo Samuel. Where do you value a Debo Samuel as far as a draft pick goes? Is he a number 14 pick? Is he lower than that? Is he higher than that? You know, because the contract has to play into it, like the certainty of success. Like we've seen him against NFL talent. He's a great player. We know he's great, but we don't get him on the cheap rookie deals. And so it's a much more difficult evaluation to make. And that's why the analytics departments have become so popular in recent years because you're trying to take a player and you're trying to figure out, okay, a known commodity with a, a generally understood idea of what his contract is going to look like. How does that compare and how does that translate to points on the draft trade scale? Um, and so that's why I think it, it, it adds an incredible amount of intrigue to this draft if we are going to start seeing guys like Debo Samuel, Baker Mayfield, even Darren Waller the stud tight end from the Las Vegas Raiders. He was a name that was thrown out yesterday as a guy that might get traded because the Green Bay Packers are so desperate to be able to add Mm -hmm. weapons at the pass catching position that uh, I feel like they're just kind of throwing out random stuff against the wall and seeing what's going to stick to see if there may be any traction that they can get of maybe prying one of these stud pass catchers away from their team. You mentioned all the, the, the trades. We talked in this a little bit in the last show as well, but I wanted to take a deeper dive into it. The Baker Mayfield situation. Mm-hmm. Best available quarterbacks for trade in this draft. No order. Baker. Yep. Who else? Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Some question marks about health, obviously, throughout his career. But he's also coming off of off-season shoulder surgery. Uh, he's got a high contract. Jordan Love may be the undercover top guy. I have not seen. I don't think he's the top guy. He's not better than Jimmy G. He's not better than Baker Mayfield. But we don't really know exactly what he is. Like, we've seen limited reps. He played one game. He hasn't been very good. He wasn't bad. But we've seen preseason. He was not very good. Let's be honest. I mean, there's a reason that the Packers had to roll out the red carpet to bring Aaron Rodgers back. Because they saw what Jordan Love was. And they've been seeing him in practice. And there's nobody in that organization that says he's the future for them. Uh, There's plenty of teams out there that say, hey, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy G. Like, these guys have talent enough that you can build around them right now and you can win a lot of football games. I don't know if there's a lot of teams that believe in Jordan Love like that. However, I do think he might be trade bait because for the Packers, like he's maybe a serviceable backup. They like him as a backup, but they don't see him ever being their starting quarterback. And so there might be some teams out there that might want to take a flyer on him because he might be relatively cheap. I don't think he played that bad. I I don't think he's playing as bad as you're saying he did in the games that he played. Was he Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre? No. So I can see where the bar that the, the Packers have may be a little different than other teams. But he didn't strike me as, a oh, this guy could, is never going to be a starter. He was a first-round pick on a lot of people's boards. 
Now, I'm not saying there he's going to unseat somebody, but I think he's definitely tradable for some of these teams that don't have quarterbacks and worth the flyer in these transition years before they have their solidified guy worth taking a look. Well, it's interesting um, because I think that makes a good transition to Baker. He's going to be the biggest name on draft night to see if he does move. Uh, he's been the biggest trending topic in the NFL all offseason from even before when the Browns landed uh, Deshaun Watson. He's the guy that everybody wants to talk about. And for mm-hmm. a quarterback who's not a starter right now, who hasn't proven to be a consistent top-tier quarterback in the NFL, I think a lot of teams are afraid to trade for him. One, the contract is a, a big issue, right? He's making over $18 million a season. And he's going to come in at best to compete to be a starter. And he might be a backup if somebody brings him in. And so with that high salary, that's pretty expensive to be a guy that's going to compete for the starting job. Um, With that being said, if you're a backup quarterback or you have a guy that is competing to be the starter and he is consistently the most talked about person in the media, good and bad, right? One of the most polarizing players that we've seen in the NFL in recent memory Maybe that's not the type of player that you want to bring in because typically you want your backup quarterbacks. You want your quarterbacks that are competing to be a starter to be somebody that's a little bit more of a company man, right? That's not going to be polarizing in the locker room no matter what happens with the quarterback competition. If he wins, if he loses, he's going to support the team, support what's best for the team. He's not going to ruffle feathers. He's not going to have people rapidly and wildly on his side or he's not going to have players in the locker room wildly against him or against the other guy. And I think that's the biggest concern for a team like Seattle, who's got a guy like Drew Locke right there. Mm -hmm. Drew Locke right now uh, maybe doesn't have the best confidence. And if you bring in a guy like Baker, who's had more success in the NFL than Drew Locke, you wonder if you're going to be able to get the best out of Drew Locke in that situation. And let's say Drew Locke wins the job. You're certainly going to have players in that locker room that wanted Baker to win. And how does that affect the locker room when you're trying to build a culture and you're trying to build a team uh, foundation for future success, which seems to be what Seattle's trying to do because they do not have a roster right now to be able to compete for a Super Bowl. So you're trying to build culture. You're trying to build the foundation for future success. Do you really want players in that locker room that are going to fracture and polarize that locker room? You're going to get people that are on Baker's side. You're going to get people on Drew's side. And that's not really the foundation that you want to build for the future. And that's why I think there's been a lot of trepidation by a lot of teams about bringing Baker in right now. All right. I'll pose it this way. What would you rather have? Ready? Would you rather have one of these rookies? And this is the same question we asked, but I want you to really go into it. Would you rather have one of these rookies that you're not sure has the ceiling to be an, a, a Super Bowl winner at quarterback, or would you rather have Baker Mayfield? Because I think, yes, he's going to go compete with people that are there already, but I don't think if the Carolina Panthers brought Baker Mayfield, he's not competing with Sam Darnold. I think that's Baker Mayfield, right? So the question becomes, is it Kenny Pickett or Baker Mayfield? Is it no. Malik Willis or Baker Mayfield? Is it Desmond Ritter or Baker Mayfield? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what Sam Howell or mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, who I think, may even be the same exact person i'm not sure yet i don't know if you watch sam howell play but uh i'm almost positive it is baker mayfield i didn't watch him before bed last night i can tell you that much but i will say it's an interesting study in the nfl and the nfl today i think one of the reasons baker mayfield hasn't been traded and this is different than maybe 15 years ago i think baker would have been traded and scooped up right away 
But teams are much more willing to hold out for a top-tier quarterback in today's NFL because they feel like that's what they need to be able to go win a Super Bowl. We've never had better quarterback play in the NFL. There's so many guys that are going out and playing nearly consistent, perfect football at the quarterback Mm. position right now. So I think teams are realizing, especially in the AFC, you have to have a top-tier quarterback that can play almost perfect to give you a chance to win the Super Bowl. That was not the case when I was a rookie, when you were a rookie in the NFL. That was not the case 20 years ago. Teams were much more interested in building a good quality roster, a really good stiff defense, an excellent running game, and a quarterback that wasn't going to make mistakes, but he could also go out and play good football and and score some points for you. And if you got lucky and you had one of these great players like a Brett Favre, like a Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady, like that was just sort of the icing on the cake and you were going to be more consistently great year after year. But right now teams are saying, hey, if I can't get one of those top tier guys, and this is what the Browns said this offseason. If I can't have that top-tier guy, I know I can't compete. We saw when Baker Mayfield two years ago played great football, they still lost to the Chiefs in the second round of the yeah. playoffs. Like, there is a ceiling when you don't have a top-tier quarterback that NFL franchises are not willing to have. And so they're willing to buy time and to have some bad seasons to be able to find that top-tier guy. And that's why you're not seeing a guy like Baker, who's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, have a big market. Because teams, by and large, would rather work on a rookie and try to develop a guy who's a rookie who's got a high ceiling. Or just wait and not have any great quarterback play and lose maybe a few more games, not tank, but just not put all their resources into that season to win because they know that their draft picks will be better so that in future seasons, which next year looks to be a lot better NFL quarterback draft, are going to be able to get that quarterback, start developing him, and hopefully he has that super high ceiling where a guy like a Malik Willis, that's why I think he's going to be probably the first quarterback taken in this draft because he's got the highest ceiling and you have to have that high ceiling to have legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl in today's NFL. So the only team that really, to me, sticks out in this draft as a team that would really want Baker Mayfield because anybody that's taken their sleep mask off for five minutes and watched these quarterbacks and Baker Mayfield play will admit that Baker Mayfield, if he was in this draft, would be easily the best quarterback. And Baker Mayfield, after four years in the NFL, is clearly going to be a quarterback that gives your team a much better chance to win than any of these rookie quarterbacks right now. But the question is in the future, right? So the only fit for him would be a team that has a head coach that has to win this season enough to keep his job. And really the only guy that sticks out is Matt Rule in Carolina. He is a coach that is under the gun. He's under a lot of pressure to be winning at least 500, maybe a little bit more than half their games this season to be able to keep his job because the expectations were pretty high and he hasn't lived up to them so far. He's had opportunities. They signed Sam Sam Darnold. Didn't work out. So he needs to win this season and Baker Mayfield would give them the best opportunity to win this year. Outside of that, the next best opportunities for a Baker Mayfield trade, in my opinion, would be for him to go to Tampa Bay to be Tom Brady's backup because that would be a situation where you wouldn't have to worry about the baggage that Baker brings, the polar, polarizing of the locker room, of the fan base with Baker, because look, Tom Brady's your starter, and Baker's there to learn, to develop. Maybe he's your quarterback of the future. Maybe he's a guy that st- steps in and plays for Tom if he gets injured. But it's not a situation where there's any distraction within that quarterback room. Everybody knows who's a clear-cut starter. The other place that makes sense is Mac, Mac Jones's backup in New England with the opportunity that if Mac doesn't continue to develop the way they expect, he could potentially be the guy that comes in and becomes the long-term answer Eh. because Bill Belichick has 
enough clout that he feels confident that he can squash any beefs that would pop up in the locker room or within the fan base because we trust Bill Belichick. And I think Baker, one of the things that the Browns have talked about and a lot of people have talked about from a national level about Baker this offseason is how he needs to mature and that they've seen maturity throughout his career, but they want him to mature further. And being in New England, I feel like he would humble himself because of Bill Belichick's greatness and because of the greatness of that organization for a long time. And he could get that maturity that he needs to take that next step at the quarterback position. That's a one-sided deal though. Baker Mayfield would benefit from being in New England. New England, why would they why would they bring Baker Mayfield in just to I'll tell you spook why. Mac Jones behind him? Do you remember their head-to-head game? No, they don't have to spook him. Do you remember when the Patriots played the Browns? Baker is a better quarterback than Mac Jones right now, but I like Baker, but I'm gonna call you on that and say, you know, yeah, the Mac Jones show, you know, the the Trey Lance arm strength or the Lamar Jackson quicks last year. No, but he was he's a he's an elite level decision maker that's my point that's why baker would be a good backup and if you were going to knock baker mayfield for one thing what would it be because decision making decision making and that's the number one criteria for playing in new england you need to be a good decision maker on off the field at the safety position at the receiver position and especially at the quarterback position what do you know about new england it's not like you played there and made the hall of fame and (laughs) i was there tom brady four weeks okay and i have a whole uh I was in school still, so I did a whole report on my time <laughs> did a there. book report. But <laughs> yes. no, I, here's my point. So the, the New England Patriots would never trade straight up for Baker Mayfield with his contract. But if the Browns accept a big chunk of his contract, they pay a bunch of it, and then they trade for maybe a middle or like a fifth or sixth round pick, I think it's a good situation for New England because I feel like Bill Belichick thinks he can keep his thumb on Baker so they don't have the drama that surrounded Baker in Cleveland. They don't have the polarization of the fan base, at least in year one. And if Baker can improve on his maturity and decision-making, Bill Belichick would look at that and say, hey, I've got no pride in my draft choices. Like We've seen this for since Bill Belichick's been in the NFL, he has no pride. He has no loyalty. Like he is a cold blooded businessman when it comes to who they keep on that roster and who they get rid of. And so he would get rid of Mac Jones the second the season ends. If they felt like Baker was able to develop throughout the course of the season, become a better decision maker, become a more mature quarterback. And then he could potentially be the quarterback of the future. Now they'd have to re-sign him. But if he didn't play much or didn't play at all, it would be easy to get a two-year deal for a player or a team-friendly contract for a guy that they feel nobody else was able to really see because they had him you know, stuffed away as the backup to Mac Jones. I don't know if there's a quarterback with a personality less conducive for a Bill Belichick environment. Oil? <laughs> Are you talking great- about oil and water? Between personalities. Hey, that's what I'm saying. It would take a large amount of maturity for Baker. The draft is going to Las Vegas. It was in Cleveland a year ago. What are your thoughts on the draft? A, moving around, but also being in Vegas. I feel like Vegas is going to be pretty lit. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. You and I are going to be out there. Um, You're announcing one of the Browns draft picks. I'm doing the pre-draft show for Thursday and Friday with NFL Network, uh, which I'm super excited about. I think the energy and the electricity at drafts are always unbelievable. Like in Cleveland last year, I don't know how many, it was like a half million people that showed up and it was still kind of like on the heels of COVID. Uh, Not exactly the safest situation for a guy like Andrew, but uh, it was 
an mm-hmm. unbelievable environment. I think Vegas is going to dial it up a notch, just like they typically do when they have big events. Um, so I think it's really cool that the NFL is moving the draft around. It's giving fans throughout the country an opportunity to see different NFL cities. It's giving different cities an opportunity to showcase what they have and what they are as a city to everybody else in the country and the world. Um, and I think it's a great idea. Like I, I love having it in New York. That was cool. Never went myself, but, uh, if I did go, I think it would have been cool, but moving it around gives it a fresh face paint every single year. And it's just great for the NFL, the way that they continue to build this 365-day-a-year obsession with the NFL through its fans. No, it is great, man. It is great. And I am excited to go. I'm excited to walk the, the draft stage for the first time ever in my life. Pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty cool thing. So we all know that you went fishing on your draft day. My draft day was busy coming out. I went over um, a couple of teammates' house. My One of my best friends played receiver. His name was Tremaine Smith. Went over his house, his roommate, another one of my great friends, Brett Kern, who is now the punter for the Tennessee Titans. And he was a a draft hopeful. So he was having his family was over. They were all draft, like watching the draft. I'm hanging out in in Tremaine's uh, room and his family is like, so what are you doing after graduation? I was like, well, you know, we'll see. Like, yeah, you you know, you you got any jobs lined up? I'm Mm. like, yeah, you know. We'll, we'll see they, they you know but it was just like oh you're clearly not going mm-hmm. to the nfl so what's yeah what's life going to be like for you <laughs> oh, um so that was that was how I, that was how i watched the draft and i knew i wasn't going to get drafted i knew i probably wasn't going to get signed either but there's always still no matter what mm-hmm. level you play at in college position whatever your stats are there's always a like you know what if someone was just seeing me one play at practice and it was like this guy is worth a flyer in the seventh round so that's what every college football player who's a senior thinks watching watching the draft. So to fast forward now and be the guy announcing a pick mm. for the Cleveland Browns is pretty damn cool because they actually were the team that brought me in for rookie minicamp after said draft, Joe. To me, that's the magic of the NFL draft. It's the hope that it brings to not only fan bases across the country. And if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you know what that's like because the draft has been our Super Bowl for about two decades now because usually we're Mm -hmm. picking right at the top and usually the person that we draft, we've got hopes that this is going to be the person that turns the franchise around and makes us Super Bowl contenders for the first time in our lifetime. Um, But for players, like you said, you probably weren't going to get drafted. I'm curious what your agent told you going into the draft, but he told me you're not going to get drafted. Okay. So you had, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was a good agent or a bad agent, but most agents fill you with bullshit going into the draft. Like, Oh, you know how many players thought they were getting taken in the top five when I was going out in the draft, like pretty yeah. much everybody in the first round, their agents like, Oh, if you sign with me, you go in the top five for sure. Like, no doubt. Of course, it's going to happen. You know, and then when it doesn't happen, they've got their excuses built in because they've been doing it for a long time. Um, But it's interesting because for you, even though your agent like gave you some uh, realistic idea of like, hey, you know, if you don't get drafted, we'll probably get some calls. I'm assuming we'll get an opportunity to maybe sign for uh, a decent chunk of change, go to rookie mini camp. And then at that point, you got to show what you got, like give everything you have for that three-day mini camp. And then maybe you'll get an opportunity to come back when the veterans come and then continue to kind of grow on that journey. But um, it's very special for everybody involved. If you did a pro day workout, if you had any scouts show up and watch you at practice at any point throughout your college career, there's that little bit of hope 
inside your brain that says, you never know. I might be somebody's favorite guy that they don't want to let on because I'm that diamond in the rough, that that mid-level scout is going to put his name attached to me. And then when I hit, he's going to become a rising star in the scouting business. Like there's all these scenarios that you build up in your head that lead you to believe I got to watch this thing because you never know what's going to happen. You never know. That's why I'm happy I have the agent that I had. He was very realistic. I actually, he didn't convince me to sign with him. I convinced him to represent mm. me. And that's the honest, that's the honest wow. to God truth. And I ended up making him over half a million dollars. So, wow. you know, yeah. I think, I think and in the end, it was a pretty good deal for both of us. He's, he's one of my great mm. friends still to this that's day. Um, so what should I do as I'm drafting for the Cleveland Browns, again, I don't know if this information is out there. They might cancel me just because I put it out there prematurely. But I think I'm drafting. I was supposed to draft the second round pick. Um, but I have to uh, call the play-by-play for a flag football game for the NFL. Phase Clan versus a mm-hmm. out there in Vegas. So I literally have to do that. And then they're shuttling me right to the draft. So I believe I'm going to announce a third round pick. But what should I do, Joe? This probably would have been a good opportunity for the catchphrase game if that was still up and going for the Tama Flock out there. Um, But do you have ideas, man? Give me something. I want this to be memorable. I can't just go up there and say, hey, with the, you know, 7-16th pick of the third round, the Browns select, blah, 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 and walk off. I need to make this memorable. One of my favorite phrases from the catchphrase game was, you must be a cucumber scientist because that person's in a. I'm no. <laughs> I'm no cu- cucumber oh yeah, that's a scientist. One of my favorite phrases from our catchphrase <laughs> game was, uh, "I'm no cucumber scientist, but this dude is in a pickle." So I think if you switch that and said, "I'm no cucumber scientist," by the way, Andrew Hawkins, Tom and Hawk Football Show, and by the way, I'm a billionaire uh, private equity manager with my new virtual football game that's coming out really soon. And uh, you can give us more flavor on that because uh, I'm very excited (laughs) about that. But after you pumped yourself and all the private equity and all the amazing investments and companies that you've started, then you can say, I'm no cucumber scientist, (laughs) but the AFC North is in a pickle because with the third pick in the third round of the NFL 2022 NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns select. I think that's what you should do. Actually, they, they might like start playing the orchestra music like right in the middle of the pick if you start talking that long. Yeah, the wrap it up music. I got I don't know what I'm gonna do, man. I honestly have no idea, but I do want it to be something cool. All right, it is now time for the Tom and Hawk mock mock draft. Here is the, the deal, Joe. Let's be honest. A mock draft from you and I would be extremely useless, right? Simple as that. Most mock drafts in general are useless. All mock drafts are useless. Actually, I don't care how great the analyst or the draft expert is. It's a useless process, but it's fun. Um, but ours would be exceptionally useless. So we're going to stay in our lane. So in our game, our mock mock draft, I'm going to throw out a scenario for round one and you are going to mock it stupidity or tell me that it's not that crazy and vice versa. How's that sound? <laughs> I love it. All right. So I'll give you the first scenario and then we'll go back and forth and we'll go through these pretty quickly. Joe, number one, defensive ends, edge rushers, they will go in picks one through three of the first round. I think it's stupid because 
I think the Jaguars are going to take Aiden Hutchinson. I think the Lions are probably going to take an edge rusher as well. Um, but I don't believe that the Texans are going to draft edge rusher in that position. I think they would either go offensive line or they could potentially trade out of that situation because Evan Neal, to me, he's a lot like Jason Peters. He's got the opportunity to potentially be a Hall of Fame talent. Uh, at the NFL level, and I really love this dude, and I think somebody's going to trade up into the top three to get Evan Neal uh, as the top tackle overall. So it won't go defensive end one, two, and three. I trust your tackle uh, perspective. I do. There's not a lot of things that I trust about what you say. Thank you. When you talk tackles, I listen. Although – I've been pretty right. I don't know. Andrew Thomas, who was like one of the unofficial players at the Tomahawk Show because (laughs) he has my first name and your last name, he's played pretty well recently. Yep. Yep, he's improved a lot. I believe I was a little critical of him at some point back in the day. Well, he struggled mightily his rookie season, um, and then he got better in his second year, and so that's the progress you want. I don't think he has lived up to the expectations of, I think he was fourth overall yet, Mm -hmm. Um, but at least he's kind of dug himself out of the bust category, uh, category, where he kind of was after his first season. All right, Hawk, this one is right down your alley. Baker Mayfield is going to get traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, you are dumb for saying that out of your stupid little mouth. Um, No, that is, that is not. I like when you talk dirty. That is not going to happen to me. That is not going to happen to uh, anybody in Cleveland land that they're going to trade Baker Mayfield to the arch rival Pittsburgh Steelers. It won't, it will not happen. They would. No. They, there's probably a certain list of people they wouldn't trade them to. And I would imagine Pittsburgh is on that list. Absolutely. What do you think? Yeah, they're not going to trade them to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The only way Baker Mayfield ends up okay. in the Steelers uniform is maybe down the line uh, after he's cut or released or ends up somewhere else. And then it finally is traded. But um, the Browns are not going to trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a player who still has a huge amount of fans in the fan base and in the locker room. We talked a little bit about the polarizing nature of Baker Mayfield. I talked to a lot of guys in the Browns. There's a lot of guys in that locker room that loved him. There's a lot of guys in the locker room that didn't love him so much. Same with the front office, mm-hmm. same with the coaching staff, uh, and same with the fan base. He's like a barbell player, right? You either love him or you hate him. And I think that's part of the reason he yep. doesn't have a home right now. And that's part of the reason that teams don't want to bring him in because they know whatever happens with him, part of the fan base is going to love him. Part of the fan base is going to hate him. And if you're a team that's rebuilding, you need to have all the fans yeah. you possibly can on your side. You don't need a segment of your team to hate you because Baker Mayfield lost the quarterback competition. He's like pineapples on a pizza, man. Some people love him. Some people hate him. Very polarizing. Yeah. I like that. Baker Mayfield is pineapples on a pizza. Fantastic analogy there, mm-hmm. my friend. And most people want either pepperoni or cheese, right? Um, number three. Are you ready, Joe? The Packers draft a quarterback with their first rounder and Aaron Rodgers retires on the spot. And then they draft a receiver with their other first rounder to spite him. Uh, that ain't happening. I know that much. Uh, I can okay. guarantee you the Packers have dra- have signed Aaron Rodgers for the foreseeable really? future because he is their guy and they're going to build a roster around him as much as they can. They've got two first-round picks, 22 and 27 right now. Like I mentioned earlier in this, if one of those top four receivers looks like he's going to be gone before 22, I would expect the Packers to package those picks potentially to move up. Um, If they get a receiver at 22, they're going to probably load up on the best player available at 28. That is not a quarterback. Sorry. 
All right, so I'm going to I'm going to remix that one real quick for the 200th year in a row, the Packers do not draft a receiver with one of their two first round picks. That is idiotic because like we mentioned, Devontae Adams left, they're going to draft a receiver in the first round. Period. End of story. All right, Hawk Debo gets traded to the Jets for the 10th pick and immediately demands a trade to a new team. <laughs> that is stupid. I don't even think Debo really wants to leave the 49ers. I don't think I so think either. he just wants to be paid. Yeah, I agree. He wants to be paid for the services he has, and he is such a unique player mm -hmm. that you can't pay him like a running back. That's disrespectful, mm -hmm. number one. And you can't pay him just like a receiver, to be honest, because – he does everything for them. And it's not a system thing when it comes to Debo. Like typically when you come to the Shanahan, Mike McDaniel offense, we would say, hey, some of these guys are benefiting from the system. I would say in this very rare case, the system is benefiting from Debo Samuel because he is making that thing go from all points and he is allowing them to do things that teams cannot prepare for, they can't match up against, and that honestly have just been, you, you just don't have receivers that can do the things Debo has done and so you're benefiting just from people not knowing how the hell to play you. Yeah, I'm a huge Debo Samuel fan. And Debo is just trying to say, hey, I get it. Like, it's a business. But if I'm going to be taking the beatings and the wear and tear playing running back like I am in this system, I'm cool with that. I'm going to be a team player. I love it. Like, he's everything you want in a football player. But if you're going to do that to me, I need to be paid right now so that my future and my family's future is taken care of. And I have the type of top of the market receiver contract that I deserve because maybe I'm not comparing my stats as a receiver to the top guys at the receiver market, but that's because I'm in the backfield getting the football handed off to me, taking tosses, taking the beatdowns from these defensive linemen and these linebackers that most receivers are not taking. So you take care of me and I'll take care of you. I think that's a very reasonable demand by D.J. Yep. Samuel from the San Francisco 49ers. And if you don't, I'll leave. I don't, I don't mind that at all. All right, last one, Joe. You ready? The Niners trade Trey Lance for Tom Brady and make him the new owner. Then he drafts nothing but linemen with all his picks. And Debo asks him if he can come back to stay with the 49ers. I'm not even going to answer that question. I'm just going to say, Gabe, our producer, I want to know what the over-under on number of beers he had when he came up with these questions yeah, at least for this mock mock draft because it had to be yeah, no, way was, more than the legal limit he because was he was drunk when he came up with some of this stuff. I think the better question is going to be, does Baker Mayfield get traded to be Tom Brady's backup? And does Tom Brady like having Baker Mayfield in that quarterback room as a guy that he can mentor? Or does he see him as a little bit of a threat <laughs> to his <laughs> That is status? also stupid, crazy, dumb. We just had seven, eight <laughs> dumb scenarios. So anyone who has listened to this, you are now a dumber person overall. You know less about the NFL than you did when you started this segment. <laughs> and we apologize for any time we may have wasted that you could have been doing something productive with your life or spending valuable, precious moments with family. I do believe that that does it for this version of the Tom and Hawk football show. We are off next week, but we'll be back the week of May 9th with two all new episodes. So make sure you follow us on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a thing. Joseph, any closing thoughts? Yeah, draft in Vegas this week and outside of not having the Browns to watch in the first round, I'm just hoping that Mr. Andrew Hawkins finds it in his heart to come meet me for a delicious meal out in Vegas so I can show him what a good dinner looks like and what it means 
to be a real man that can eat more than <laughs> one slice of pizza without getting full. You know what? I said I only trusted you on tackles. I also only trust you on food choices. Those are the, those are the two things that I trust you on. You're a foodie. My guy. And you're an offensive tackle genius. All right, Joe. That's it, man. Take us out. Joe Hawk yourself.